I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And of course, thank you for following me on Twitter at jbeardmore, this podcast at the Rugby Dungeon. And of course, there's Egg Chasers out every Monday without fail at Rugby Podcast. Please keep your iTunes reviews coming in. They're very important. They help us get up some charts and do very important things. But most importantly, they help spread the word of rugby to other like-minded fans, which of course is very important. Now, you might have noticed I've been away for two weeks, simply for the fact that we've had so much workload with egg chasers. And also, it's been really hard to get interviews over the last two weeks because everyone's on a holiday or they're on tour. So, I decided to take two weeks off, but I am now back with a bang, and today's guest is Alex Payne. Now, if you're thinking, I know that name, who does Alex Payne play for? Well, the answer is, he doesn't play for anyone, but he is front and centre of your TV for most important matches. He is, in fact, the anchor for Sky Sports. So... Without waiting any longer, here is my chat with Alex Payne. Hope you enjoy it. How are you, mate? I'm very well. I'm yes, unusual to be about right, I think. I'm very well, thank you. I am. Um, I know you're getting ready to wind the day down. I have woken up bright and early uh, down here in Windy Wellington. And, um, yeah, I think life is very good, thank you. I mean, it would be a bit better if the Lions were one up in the series. But um, oh, tell me about having it. a very good tour. We're, we're a good band of men having, having a lot of fun, and so, we're, yeah, all, all is very well. Thank you. It's a pleasure and a delight to be, um, to be having a chat. Yeah, so what's on your agenda today, then? That's a good question. Uh, so I've got a little bit of scribbling and scripting to do this morning, uh, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, a bit of lunch. We've got a very, very good uh, regular brunch stop called Prefab here in Wellington, which does a mean eggs benedict, so we'll have a bit of... Uh, bit of coffee and, and something to eat and then uh, I think we're heading down to the ground to the Westpac at about three o'clock this afternoon where we'll do a little bit of rehearsing um, sort of make sure that everything's where it needs to be we're, we're actually working remotely now um, it's the first time ever Sky have done it which means that the studio and all the guys are obviously here in Wellington but all the directors and the um, you know the PAs and the uh, the um, producers are all back in London so that takes a little bit of time to make sure that all the um, all the audio is working. And then we're live into Sky Sports News at about 7. And then I'm doing something with the Lions fans and um, uh, down at the uh, the waterfront at about 8 o'clock tonight. So, yeah, bits and bobs, all good fun. Um, uh, just sort of ramping up for Saturday, really. And most of, most of the Lions fans have filed in over the last 24 hours or so. And, um, yeah, we're staying on the most fantastic street called Cuba Street, which is it's sort of a little bit like New Orleans. It's sort of pockets and pockets of 
funky bars and cool restaurants and things like that. But, but the, the downside of that is that when the Lions fans get going at about 2 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> um, I, I had, had a very nice rendition of Cheer Up Sleepy Jean at, at, um, yeah, in the small hours. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about the one time on planet Earth the Lions fans aren't quite as welcome as, um, as they are when they do their thing on match day. Now, you just said earlier on that you're going to be doing some scripting. And anyone that watches you obviously knows that you take the lead on Sky Sports. How much scripting do you yeah. do? How much freedom do, do you have to say what you say? Uh, so, uh, well, every, everything I say is is uh, is mine. Um, I don't mean that in a sort of odd way. But, yeah, it, it, and it's, I think it's very important that that you are – a presenter is very comfortable with what they're saying. It, I, in the past, I've done stuff where, you know, you, you read what other people say and it just, it just doesn't – you have to believe what you're saying. So – I do. Um, I put down quite a lot of notes for the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll normally do a, a link, and then sort of voice the team arrivals, match captions. You have an InVision link. You welcome all your guests and things like that. And that tends to be to be put down on paper. Um, and that is, it needs to run quite tight. You know, you don't. The extraordinary thing about broadcasting, we've got an hour tomorrow, but it will go like the click of a fingers, you, and you just haven't got time to faff around. So that's all quite well thought out. And then the rest of it is is more notes um i mean when i started i used to script absolutely everything yeah um and actually you you know i'm not massive on linkedin but i had a ping this this week saying i've done 14 years at sky which is is that right exciting and and depressing in equal measure but um but now you i'm much more inevitably you know you do something for a while you become far more comfortable with it and um it's really important to be very fluid in what you do. There's, there's no point scripting a link because you know the, the person you're talking to might end up using exactly that sentiment in, in the answer they've just given, and therefore you need <laughs> to find a different way to get into a feature. So yeah, the top is quite tight. That's quite well thought out. Uh, well, it's meant to be quite well thought out, and then the rest of it is 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 just sort of an idea of how to get into something, and then you can kind of use that any which way. Yeah. So you've been. But it, it, prob- it, it probably looks. <laughs> It probably looks like most of it is um, is made up on the hoof, but I, I can assure you there is there is a bit of thought and banning that goes into it. Yeah. So you said that you that you script uh, that you script all all of the introductions. Uh, yeah. With it being the lions and the gravity of the event, and uh, yeah, I, I get it. You, you you've been at Sky now fourteen years, so you've you, you've obviously done. A large volume of these introductions. Does the event yeah. ever actually make you feel a little bit more nervous? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that at all. Um, it's not. If I've, I've got to the point now where it's not. It's not quite so much nervous. It's just a massive rush. Yeah. Um, it's very, You know, the Lions is it, for me is 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 such a special event. And actually, I went. This is the, I think it's the fifth tour. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got me, sorry. Um, yeah, this is the fifth tour I've worked on because I was very lucky actually. I did some work experience back in 2001 um, and I ended up doing a month at Sky and at the end of it, I said to them, Look, if I'm in Australia for the Lions tour, can I, um, can I work for you guys? Can I make the tea and the coffee and do the photocopying? They said, yeah, great, if you're out there, yeah, let's hook up and you can work for us on the Fridays and Saturdays. So I potted around in a seriously beat-up banger with um, a couple of guys that I was I was playing rugby with up in mm-hmm. Edinburgh University, and uh, I worked for Sky on the on the test at the test matches. Yeah. And on the I mean for me the Gabba in two thousand one is still one of the all-time highs of anything I've ever seen live. And I was I was actually meant to be doing stats, so I was meant to be sort of pushing buttons every time 
someone made a tackle or uh, made an offload or anything like that. Yeah. But all the equipment got caught in uh, customs, so nothing arrived. So, the, so literally 15 minutes before kickoff, um, one of the um, one of the teams said, oh, "Look, here's a pitch pass. You better go and watch it." Side of the pitch, and I ended up watching the first, you know, Driscoll's try and Robinson score and big Scotty Cornell under the bar, and it was. I ended up watching it from about you know, 10 feet from the Lions bench. And I was a 21-year-old kid who was quite excited about getting into sport. And walking around the Gabba that day was, I was just the, one of the most amazing things I'd ever done. And so I was huge. I, I, I looked into doing a lot of work around the sports industry. I did some stuff with IMG and I'd, worked, I'd done some work at Bath Rugby, actually. Mm. Um, but just to sit on the touchline at an event like that was, was so exciting and so much about what I wanted to do. Um, and and it, it really, I mean, I obviously loved the Lions at that point, but it really ignited a, a huge love for the Lions. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you fast forward I, in 2005, and I went to New Zealand as the reporter, and that was a miserable experience all mm. round because of you know because for all the reasons that we know. Uh, 2009, I was actually working back at Sky, and then 2013, I presented it um, out in Brisbane and and um, at the first test there, and, and that I was incredibly nervous for that one. Um, and now it's just a, just, just a real excitement about, you know, being able to tell a very, you know, a wonderful story on a big sporting event and, um, and sort of getting stuck into it. And so, yeah, there are definitely little nerves, but it's, um, it's, it's much more about the, um, the excitement of, of being part of a, a really cool event. One of the really strange things about watching sport, well, watching rugby, and in particular, I would say watching yourself, is that, if I look at the guys who are around you, I could pretty much write their CVs if needed be. I mean, you only need to ask me about Scott Quinnell, and I could, you know, probably write three or four A4 pages. But yeah, even though you are front and centre, people know literally nothing, nothing really about you. So where are you from, and what was your route into sports journalism? That's, that's a very good question, and actually, it's a question I've never really been asked before. And it's funny enough in um. In a funny kind of way, I quite like the fact that I'm I'm very anonymous. It's, it, I'm not there in any way, shape, or form. To um, I'm, I'm like the referee, and the best referee is someone that you never notice. That's and, about, you, know, that's you get that. an amazing game. Yeah, you know, you get two teams that play fantastic rugby. No one ever talks about the referee. If I if we do a show and it's you know it's great fun and it's informative and you know Scott does what Scott does best and will you know gives the viewers pearls of wisdom that only he knows about the le- I, I, you know the less i do the better i'm not interested in any way shape or form in in a sort of uh, in a public profile i i'm merely there to try and get the best out of my guests to try and ask the questions that the people at home are interested in and then to um pop my clipboard away and go home and I, i'm i'm you know i'm i'm yeah i i do what i do because i love the game and if i didn't if i wasn't presenting rugby be, I, I think I'd probably go do something else to do. So you know, I have a I have a love of sports, but not to the level and the um, the sort of I'm going to put inverted commas understanding that I you know I, I love the game of rugby. And mm. That's why I do, and that's why I'm very very lucky to have the job that I do. Um, but it's 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 about that and only that. I, 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 what what has changed over the years is I've got much more of a love for the live broadcast. I get a real buzz. Yeah. Out of you're on air in 10 seconds kind of thing. And, and I, I would miss that huge. And I suppose it's like, you know, I don't, I, I hate drawing analogies between what I do and what players do, but it's, it's like those moments when you stand in a tunnel and, and then you, you trot out, you know, it's, it, it's a real, you, you've got to perform and you've got, you've got to deliver. And I, I love that. But I'm, 
yeah, I'm 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 very middle aged, very middle lane <laughs> to it. Um, you know, I grew up in Dorset. I live in London, um, and yeah, I'm I'm I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not in. I sort of keep repeating myself. I'm just not really interested in in any of this in any of the potential stuff that sort of goes around it. I'm I'm I just I, I really enjoy the game. I love the people I work with, and, and mm. I try and keep out of the way. To be honest with you. So, what what was your first role in sports journalism? And actually, did you go to university to do something related to this? Yeah, yeah. I, I direct route into sports broadcasting. I read History of Art in Edinburgh, um, which is which is extremely useful, as you can imagine. I did a, yeah. a, a, my dissertation on the double portraiture of David Hockney, which regularly crops up in, um, in uh, the Guinness Book <laughs> Twelve. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I I was always quite keen on doing something that would be relatively transferable. Um, I mean, I'm not really sure history of art is, but I, I just was. Interesting. I, I, funnily enough, years before I before I started, this, this, this sounds a little worrying, but I, I was I was really keen. I was a really really keen sculptor, and I did a lot of sculpture at school, and I did an art foundation really? course after I left school. And I, I was desperate to be. Um, I was really really interested in, in being an artist, and uh, I actually read history of art at university, you know, as part of that. But quite quickly realised that a I wasn't good enough, and b it was, um, you know, I, it, it just it, it just wasn't really a sort of a viable career uh and and, and you know my, my number one love was always rugby and always has been um at that age uh, you know much younger and um and so i just started looking around I, as i said i did some work at img which is sort of you know mark mccormack's massive i actually I was lucky enough to lucky enough to have breakfast with mccormack who was sort of the godfather of the sports industry mm. um and so that was quite interesting but i you know i ended up sort of counting um sponsorship the the, the, the amount of time that a sponsor's board was envisioned during a rowing race and it was just sort of you know it, it was working in sport but it wasn't it wasn't anything there was no rush to it yeah and then i did a did a, did a bit of work with bath rugby which was the club i grew up watching um i did there's quite a lot i worked for an agency called benchmark sport for a while and they, they have a look a lot of rugby talent on their books but it was for me it was always about sky and i remember writing um you know i grew up watching barnsey and um you know i was a huge sort of i was an avid viewer I had, and yeah, this is a little bit sort of, sort of delving. I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games recorded on, on video, and I used really? to sort of just watch them back over and over again. Yeah, I mean, like I had apps every time there was a game on, I would record it, and I'd sort of watch it back. And I, I remember quite clearly. I laugh about it. With my parents now, um, my mum used to come in over and over again and say, "For God, will you please find something constructive to do? You know, watching videos and watching rugby is not a." You know, it's not it's not something that you'll ever be able to do later in life. So how how wrong they were, back and how wrong they were, and how we laugh and laugh about it now. Not really, but it, yeah. So I, I was hugely into it all, and then I got got a, uh, got an opportunity at Sky. Literally made tea and coffee, did the photocopying, collected the sandwiches. Um, but because I was very keen on the game, and I had a sort of you know quite a deep. Um, I, I was massively into the sort of stats side of it years and years ago, and so because I could kind of handle myself in a rugby conversation, opportunities opened up. I did. Um, Went on the 2001 tour, as I said, as a runner, and then was sort of lucky enough. I, I, it's extraordinary. I've been reporting for about six. Oh, sorry, I've lost you. Six months. I'm having coffee. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Go on. Hello. Yep. Am I back? Sorry. So I was, I was just saying that I, I, it happened incredibly quickly because I, I got given an, uh, a microphone literally overnight. Um, they, they said, right, tomorrow, we, we haven't got a reporter for the, it was for the Army-Navy game. And they said, we haven't got a reporter tomorrow, uh, we'd like you to do it. And I'd never done any public speaking. I'd never done any, 
um, you know, acting. I'd never done any sort of debate. I'd, I'd never really done any speaking in public. But because I was comfortable with the subject matter, I kind of just got through. That was, that was without a doubt the most the most frightened I'd ever been. It felt like you're sort of tiptoeing along a a chasm, and if you get it wrong or a ravine, you know that that would be it, and off you'd go. And I remember feeling incredibly out of my depth for a long, long time. Actually, um, I went on the Lions tour in 2005 as the pitch side reporter, and I, I just, I just was, I just was miles out of my depth. And it all got going, you know, all the, you know, all the problems of that tour. And I was sort of trying to report on it with very, very little experience. But you know, you, you, what, what doesn't really makes you strong, and you just sort of, I just found a way through, and and. and uh, and actually came back from that tour in 2005 and got stuck onto Sky Sports News, which was, um, you know, is it's, it's an absolute institution in the UK. It is, isn't but it? But it's so it's so football based. And I, 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 to be honest with you, have very little interest in football. Um, and I, I remember I actually went away to Brazil for six weeks with a mate and a surfboard off the back of the 2005 tour. And I took the, um, I can't remember who sponsors it, but something like the Rothmans Annual Foot, Football Handbook. <laughs> And I ended up learning it. So I, I sort of learned who won the FA Cup in 1922 and things like that. And and that kind of got me through about four or five years on Sky Sports News, which was great and phenomenal um, training. It's just hours and hours and hours of live TV. Um, and you sort of, I mean, I've made some unbelievable haulings of, of, of being on telly over the years, but you just kind of have to crack on. And um, yeah, so it, it's great fun. And, 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 then, and, and then I got back to the rugby and that was where I always wanted to be. Um, and it's sort of just sort of slowly, 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 you know, developed from there, really. Tell me this, because as a rugby fan, I distinctly remember, like, my first season of actually watching Premiership rugby. And that was when Nor- yeah. well, that was when Northampton won the European Cup. So do you have a distinct memory of, like, the first season that really registered with you? Uh, yes, as well... Not the first. I have so I grew up at, as I said at the Rec. I, we had season tickets there for about 1988, I think. Really? So I remember. Yeah, I remember going. To, I, mean, I went to watch. My absolute all-time hero was John Hall, mm. um, and I remember watching Barnes. I, went, I was. I, I watched so much Stuart growing up. It's ironic to sort of work alongside him now. Um, I remember. What are the earliest? I mean, I, re, I remember. Re, funny, there's a there's a, a Bath. VHS, I'm not sure it's even on DVD anymore, called Bath Golden Decade. And it, I think it runs from about, it must run from about this sort of the Roger Spurrell era mm. right through to, I mean, it must be about 95, I think it is. And I'm actually on it twice, cheering in the crowd. You know, when you're a young kid and you go yeah. looking for yourself in the crowd. And I remember, I remember being so, and I was on it one year. So one game where Bath beat Leicester 49 and Tony Swift scored. Mm-hmm. Absolute mud bath. And the other, I think, was, uh, I can't actually remember what the other one was. I think it was one of the years they won the Courage League. And Jerry Guskett did a bungee jump after, the, um, after winning the game. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't remember a specific um, sort of it. I remember welling up quite a lot when they won the Heineken Cup in 98. Yeah. I was there. I mean, just, I, I, I was a huge Bath fan. I watched, a, you know. Now, was I, that... I could talk to you for I talk to you for hours about the, you know the great days that I watched at the rec. No, it was um, now was that was that, that the yeah, back that row is. of uh, Dan Lyle, Ang- uh, Angus Gardner, and Co. Uh, it was Nathan Thomas. Uh, was uh, Nathan Thomas, Dan Lyle? I think it was sure. Angus Gardner played in the final. I can't remember who played. Um... Oh, it was Richard Webster. Oh right, okay. it was Webster, Nathan Thomas, and Dan Lyle played the back row in uh, in '98. But yeah, Angus. I think Angus Gardner came a little bit afterwards, but. 
I yeah, my my heroes were John. I remember watching John Hall, Andy Robinson, Ben Clark was phenomenal yep. for years at uh, at the Wreck. Uh, um, yeah, there's some yeah, there's some great days. God, there was some, they had some, they had they haven't had them for a while, but there were there were some very very. Um, you know, I, I think they, they were a good team back then. I think Dan Lyle might quietly be one of the finest imports to come to the Premiership. Yeah, Freddie Mendes was another who um, who had uh, had a good couple of seasons. Oh, he obviously won the he won the European Cup with Bath and Northampton, didn't he? Yeah. There were um, German Lanes was another big Argentinian who was uh, who came in at Bath. I think if you, I mean, yeah, I think Dan Lyle would definitely be in the sort of top ten. I think Pat Lamb would be. Yes. Pat Lamb and Inga Twigamala, they would always be up there in the sort of top three or four. Um, Nick Evans. I mean, there have been, been some brilliant players. I think, you know, we're going to get more and more of them now as, you know, as, as the premiership grows and grows. But, um, yeah, back in the, there's a sort of, there's a sort of romanticism, isn't there, about the, um, you know, the first guys who came over. And Dan, yeah. I mean, Dan Lyle was a, was a phenomenal player. I remember him scoring an unbelievable try against Leicester in the uh, top right corner and it, it was sort of Inspector Gadget arms from Mars, <laughs> he just plonked it down he was a, he's a good man it's him a bit now actually he's still very very heavily involved in USA Rugby, USA rugby. Yeah. yeah he is yeah he's a great man yeah I think the thing with the early guys is they came over and it's not like they were playing for £300,000 they were playing for I don't know yeah. a, a job in a factory in a factory somewhere or a furniture workshop yeah, I'm not sure Dan Lyle ever played in it, uh, ever, ever worked in a in a factory. He's he's quite a quite a suited and booted character, Dan. But yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And it was guys who who had a huge passion for, you know, for what they were doing, but didn't have the the opportunities in their in their own hands. So yeah, I, 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 you could spend a lot of time picking a very good composite fifteen of of this sort of the early settlers in in professional rugby who came from all corners of the world. Mm-hmm. Gareth Reese obviously was. Um, was another guy, a Canadian fly half, who, who looked more like a tight head at times. But he, I mean, he was over here for years before the game went professional. He played down at the Dragons and Wasps, and um, another another great sort of um, import in, in years gone by. So tell me about uh, your rugby. Then you said you were playing up in Edinburgh University. Did you have a club back in Dorset? So I not really. I played a lot at school, and then I, I played a bit for North Dorset, but not. I mean, no great shakes, and then. Yeah, played at school and then went to Edinburgh and played for a club up there called the Edinburgh Rackies. Okay. Um, who, they're actually the oldest club in Scotland and uh, Rayburn Place is the oldest international ground in the world. Oh, is that right? There's a little stat for you. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I was in no great shakes. So I played to the highest level that I was going to get. So I played a couple of games, a couple of cup games for them. I got dropped for a final at Murrayfield, which oh. was, um, was a fairly... Um, uh, yeah, you got to take that on the chip. But we had some very good players. So Mike Blair was down there. He actually left. I think he left the year after I arrived. He was actually playing fullback at the time. And there were guys like Nick DeLuca down there. Um, yeah, but it was it was just a really fun club. I, I had a few mates who I was at university with who we'd all potter down. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was. I did four years. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That was great fun. I still pop back and see a few of the fellas whenever I'm in Edinburgh now doing, you know, um, internationals or... Um, or, or uh, European games. Yeah. And yeah, they're a brilliant club. They've actually got a lot better in the years since I've left. So it's, uh, they sound slightly better. It sounds a slightly better rugby career than it was. But I was, you know, I, I played it, loved it, was never going to cut it as a professional, but um, what, uh, sort of gave it, gave it a good crack. What position out of interest? I was an open side. Oh, were you? I was a, I was a, 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 a scrawny open side, yeah. I was, I had, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think the correct about, term... About not- the least... Uh, I think the correct terminology for that is wiry open side. Wiry, yeah. I, I, I had absolutely no power at all, but I was sort of relatively fit and I, I'm strapped into a scrum cap and was sort of pre- prepared to sort of get get involved rather mm. ineffect- ineffectually. But I um, I was bra- brave fit, but, but incredibly um, uh, lacking a huge amount of physicality. But yeah, it was good fun. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't pretend to have been a... A proper player but i i was, was committed to the level i got to i think is is about fair well in my opinion if you play you're a proper player well there you go that's uh, very general and i'll definitely subscribe to that <laughs> uh so how long have you been out in new zealand for now so we got out in uh when did we got out the monday before the uh the chiefs game mm-hmm. which was so we, we did the maori game on the saturday went straight to the airport flew arrived monday sort of lunchtime in hamilton yeah actually it's extraordinarily our cab drop driver from auckland to hamilton was shane howard's dad there's a really for you. Yeah, i know I've, everywhere you go you touch an all black in, in um yeah so we potted down to hamilton i have to say going on air on tuesday night was a fairly surreal experience because it was it was uh, what we went on there at six it was about five o'clock in the morning mm. back in the uk having not having not had a night's sleep Oof. um so that was quite challenging, but yeah, and then we then we did Hamilton, um, potted up to Auckland, where obviously you know all the hype and hyperbole really hit hit um, hit max factor, and now we're down in uh, then came down to Wellington the day after, and it, it sort of feels it feels like a huge mountain if if we're honest, um, you know they'll absolutely go for it, but it I think the manner of the first des- test defeat means that it's it's not quite chip in a chair for the Lions, mm. but it's. I think the levels of expectation have, have dropped a little bit, as you know, as you yeah. would do. You're taking on the world champions in their own back garden, but I think it's, um, I think a dose of realism has been handed out to all those in red. Yeah, and you know what? I think after the Hurricanes game as well, and all the carry on about the geography six and so on and so forth, it has put yeah. a real dampener on it. It has a bit, um, and it's, it's. I mean, that is. I was, you know, we. we um, we interview Martin Johnson every time the Lions comes around. He always says, you know, touring with the Lions asks questions of you that, that very little else does. And it, it's extraordinary to have gone from, you know, a sort of, a, and I, I, I use the word camp, including all the fans and the media. You know, everyone was so on board on Friday night. Yeah. Um, everyone said he'd picked exactly the right team. Uh, um, you know, bringing in the Geography Six has, you know, has enabled him to keep, you know, no, one, no one liked it in terms of uh, the way that he's done it. But, 
but you can understand it. Mm. And then you lose heavily in the first test, and then you play you know the game against the Kings, and you don't use the players you brought in. And everyone's like, well, you know, this is it's it's just flipped very very quickly. Um, and there's a sort of worry. Having I went to the press at press conference yesterday, there's a sort of worry that some of those knives and pens are beginning to, to be sharpened. Um, which, which I hope isn't I hope isn't the case because I you know I think it's you know, I think up until you know the night before the first you're always judged in the test series obviously but you know we have to remember that you're playing against a team that doesn't lose at home um, and uh, we were talking about it at dinner last night this Lions squad is is probably 10 15 percent better than the one that went to Australia four years ago yeah but you're just playing on a different on a different level and. Um, you know, I, I don't think there are many teams that would come down here at the moment and do a lot better than the Lions. England, possibly, but that's only because of the greater understanding. But I think everyone would be put away by 15, 20 points at the moment. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I also tend to think people never appreciate how hard it is for a Lions tour to succeed because all they see is the names and they don't understand the team cohesion. Yeah. And, you know, this all-black side has had t- two years together and everything they do in New Zealand rugby, from school rugby to the you know to, to the All Blacks feeds into the All Blacks. It's a it's the most phenomenal pyramid of success, and you look at you know rugby in the Northern Hemisphere and in the UK you've obviously got you know the, the clubs doing one thing in um, in England you've got clubs doing one thing you've got the national team doing another and obviously there's great harmony there but it's not it's not a pipeline it's it's sort of um, it's a bit like plate tectonics really and then you and then you throw in all four countries send them away on 72 hours notice and say right crack into it I mean it's we, we always use the expression that this is the ultimate challenge and that is exactly what it is. And I think there's absolutely no, it's hugely disappointing if the Lions fall short, but there is no disgrace. And I just hope that people kind of, you know, remember that and that they deal with it in the context in which the Lions are playing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a, it's a merry band of extremely talented rugby players thrown together, sent to the other side of the world on very little, um, you know, preparation, taking on a side that is, that has set the standard and you know you have you have to remember that you cannot just rip the lines apart mm. if it goes wrong well talking about merry bands which have been sent across the world uh who is who have sky sent out with you to uh, accompany you on this trip so we have got <clears throat> have you seen any of the fan van and scott cornell's um Strang- fan van stuff strangely enough I was talking to Dave Seymour today from Cell Shocks. I just finished, okay. finished my, my, my interview. Apparently, he, like one of his good mates is running the fan van. So the, the guy in the van that you're referring to is Luke Legs Rosier, who is um, who is one of our very very talented producers. It was desperate that the Lions tour was going to see him launched as an internet superstar, but sadly <laughs> he spent more more time behind the camera doing the editing. Oh, um, I just Scott thought Scott has very much been front centre. Go on. I've just thought. Um, not, I don't know if I can pull back the curtain too much. That wasn't his stag do that you, that that you guys went on, was it? Uh, yes, but obviously, what goes on stag stays on stag. Of but then course. we actually had three stags because we had um, we had Luke's um, who's getting married not long after we get back. We got James Gemmel out here, who's obviously yeah um, one of our presenters, and he's getting married two weeks after we get back. And big Stevie Ferris, who is um, who's obviously one of our pundits and a, yeah. was a lion in two thousand nine. Is going home after the second test because he's getting married. I think next weekend. Tell you what, they're so doing we well to a, get out there. We had, a, we had a we had a triple stag on Wednesday night, which um, yeah. It, I mean, I, I can all I can let you know is that Wellington is a very good venue uh, if you are if you're looking to get away for a stag do. Excellent. But so, we had we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So I mean, you've obviously got quite 
quite a strong roster of um, ex-internationals on the Sky Boxer. Is there anyone yeah. in particular that you really, when, when they give you the schedules or the lists of who you're working with, is there anyone that really yeah. stands out and you think, yes, looking forward to that one? Um, oh, God, that, that is like asking a mother to choose her favourite child, <laughs> something like that. Um, to be honest with you, they are, to a man, they are a really good bunch. And you, you don't tend to kind of get too far in the media if you're not. Um, but yeah, I, there's no one really that, that that sort of stands out. I mean, you know, Will is brilliant at his analysis. Scott is fantastic at his, um, you know, his, his whipping up the fans and making everyone believe. Fitz, you know, Sean Fitzpatrick is just one of the great statesmen of world rugby. Sarim McGeekin is, you know, is the absolute Lion King. Um, and Stevie is, is a, you know, a young guy who's played recently who's absolutely not afraid of giving a strong opinion. So, mm. um, you know, they all bring something different to the party. Um, uh, you know, I think there are, they, there's no one really that, um, that sort of, I, I punch the air and go, yes. When I, the one guy, funny enough, who I, the two guys who I've, I've, I've sort of, learnt most from um would be dean ryan who used to do quite a lot with us and rob baxter who we had who we had in a couple of times and it wasn't so much that you know hang on, was, um it wasn't so much that it, it, what, what i what i found with them is that they saw the game in a in a totally different matrix to mm. anything that i can understand they are seeing things the sort of cause and effect in in detail that you know as a layman i just would never be able to understand i found talking to those two absolutely fascinating um just in terms of the detail and obviously that you know both successful coaches um yeah so those those are two of the guys who i who i definitely kind of um who i who i who i saw the game in a very different light with mm. but you know our guys that they they all bring something very different to the party that they're hugely passionate about what they do and it's sort of you know the game has moved on you can't just turn up now and talk in, in generic sort of terms. You have to actually offer something to, to the viewer. And, and you know, our guys work very hard at, you know, what they talk about and, and, and what, they, what they see in the game. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, everyone will have their opinion. But hopefully that, that comes through in the main. Now, one of the hardest bits of broadcasting I think I've ever seen done, and it was fascinating to watch, was yourself yeah. and Will Greenwood. Uh, do, do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, I, uh, not the, uh, if, if, it's, if it's myself, Jan Evans, Dean Ryan and Will Greenwood, I do. If it's me and Will Greenwood, go on. No, just you, just you and Will. And I yeah. think it was a Toulon game that was delayed by an hour and a half. Oh, that was Jimmy. That was James Gemmell. That oh, was, was it? Phenomenal effort. Yeah, that was Jimmy. Oh. Um, that was a phenomenal effort, though. Um yeah, they did an hour and a half chit chat, didn't they? Oh, it was it was what well watching it. Um, the first kind of five minutes, you know, you kind of thought, oh, this is pretty funny. They're they're sort of struggling, but then after say five minutes onwards, yeah. you're getting behind them. It's like this is good. Carry on, boys. Crack on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Do you know? It's a really odd thing. I'm speaking for him, but I will. I, I, we've discussed it, so I know that it's the case. But is that when you start as a presenter, you're absolutely terrified of going off script. All yeah. you want to do is motorway cruise. You just want to get from A to B without getting it wrong. But as as the confidence picks up over the years, what, what you actually have, what you actually end up wishing for is for things to go wrong and for stories to break and to be challenged because it's so much more fun. You know, you kind of got the tools 
in place to be able to deal with it. And I, I know that he absolutely loved what the, that hour and a half was. I think I think he'd had quite a late night the, the night before, so I think it was a double <laughs> challenge. But he, and I don't don't quote me on that and, and redact that bit out of this. But you know, he th- those are the moments when it's it's the most fun because you, you know you get to sort of test yourself and it's something beyond the norm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean that was that was an epic piece of broadcasting. One of the joys of that though is that Will can talk until the cows come home, I and mean, he just is so comfortable on air. He's got so much to talk about. Oh um, yeah, but he makes it very very easy. There would I I won't name names, but there would have been one or two guests who to have had them in for an hour and a half. Phil would have that really would have been torture. I once, funny enough, I once had a um, curry cup game years ago and um it was dick best and i do you remember the former english yeah, and yeah. the commentary came in from south africa the commentary came in from south africa in afrikaans um there was no oh. english commentary so dick and i had to talk over an entire game of, i can't remember, remember who it was the fucker against the free state cheaters and we ended up talking his holiday plans and the fact that he was redecorating <laughs> his house and and the rugby sort of became incidental and it was i th- those are things that you remember funny enough as a broadcaster is when you um you know, you just you, you get you get thrown into to the melting pot and have to deal with it. That's and does it, does it make you realise that maybe commentary and and presenting are a bit different? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I was talking about this with Miles yesterday. You know, the, the thing about presenting is that you 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 you, do, you that you have got nowhere to hide in in commentary. In commentary, you need to be you need to get everything absolutely spot on. Mm. Um, but you can always take a breath or just pause for a second to, to gather your thoughts on, on camera. It's much, it's much, I mean, commentary is, it, I've never done it actually. I would love, there was one game when, uh, years and years ago when they were, um, the, the commentator, I can't remember what happened, but I was, I was potentially going to have to go to the Scarlets and commentate on the game, which I'd never done. And I would have been hugely up for that, but you they are very different. I mean, commentary is, you know, you're, you're painting pictures with words, whereas, whereas presenting, you're just kind of having a chat. So I don't think I don't think either is more difficult, but they are very very different. Um, there's there's nowhere to hide in the um, in the sort of the um, the, the studio. Um, it's not it's not hiding, but it's just you, you just you just don't have time to pause. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know our, our build downs, our build up build ups and build downs are so tight. There's so much good stuff that we'd love to talk about that we never get around to because you just don't have enough time. Um, and so you have to be very, very concise, whereas you can kind of breathe and enjoy it a little bit more in commentary, I think. And Miles and uh, would probably tell you differently, but um, that, that's a sort of perception from where I sit. So you guys have had an interesting year this year at Sky. You've, you've obviously been covering the Pro 12 and you've had the, yeah. the European Cup. Uh, has, there, has there been any event or any uh, any player within rugby who's, who has really stu- stood out to you as someone that, that you've enjoyed meeting? God, that is a good question. Um, that's a very good question. I mean, the the event obviously is the Lions. Um, you know, there's. Yeah, I mean, for me, that is. You know, we, it's the biggest thing we do every four years, and it's 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 the kind of it's the carrots really. Um, is there a character? I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I mean, I've done quite a bit in and amongst. Um, the England squad over the years. I did, I did quite a lot of stuff with O2 for them and, and their inside line stuff. I mean, the one guy who I, who I, I tell you, the, the, the two, the two stories I've really enjoyed this year. What, uh, and they're obviously both England bat row boys. One is, um, Chris Robshaw. Yeah. Who has gone from being absolutely sort of 
lambasted and pilloried off the back of the World Cup to actually now seen as, you know, a, a sort of a, a seriously well-respected guy within the game. And yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased for him personally. Um, you know, I think I think inevitably the way of the modern world is that, you know, if you stand stand tall and it goes wrong, you get cut down pretty low. And I think he, he found post-World Cup tough. And I'm, I'm really pleased for him. You know, he was man what? of the match. Why do you uh, think fiftieth cap and Australia? Why do you think he's managed to bounce back so much? Because uh, I've met I met him when he's England captain, and I can tell you now, I've never met a more courteous, nice man. Um, yeah. And then after the World Cup, you are right about the like how how harshly he was treated. But yeah. there's something about him which has been which has allowed him to bounce back. And what do you think that is? I think it's oh, I think first and foremost he's he's played bloody well, and that you know that 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 ultimately is what was. Is what people are judged on. I think the other thing is that we tend to love a comeback story, and so when somebody mm. is built up, knocked down, if they can then make it back again, th- there's a much greater affection for them because they've shown, you know, the character to come through. Um, and I, I, I mean, Chris has absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, done that. Um, and I think, I think, funnily enough, his relationship with Eddie Jones has kind of helped with that as well because mm. Eddie Jones kind of has piled into him a little bit, but done it with a smile. Um, it's sort of we've seen a bit more character from Chris as well. Um, you know, he's he's intensely private and he's, you know, he's not that interested in the frills of it all. But you know, he's he's I think he's just smiled a bit more over the last year, and and you've seen a bit more of of who he is. Um, and I think and I think you know I think he will be remembered now as you know as a as a really top class England international. Someone who went through the mill, came back. I think the fact he was man of the match in his fiftieth cap out in Australia and. You know, yeah. He's got a Grand Slam winner's medal. I think I think there's a real affection for him there. And the other guy who, funnily enough, hasn't necessarily ever been as low as Chris, but has certainly not had a huge amount of respect, is is the Hask. And I think, yeah. you know, I think the fact that he is now a lion, I, he's been a really, really good midweek tourist. You know, he has yeah. absolutely done the role that he was brought to do, which is to keep everyone smiling and happy and moving on. He was brilliant in the Chiefs game in Hamilton. Um, he never stopped trucking around the field um, in the Canes game on Tuesday. And actually, he's he's another guy who, you know, he's got a phenomenal rugby story. You know, he's been out and played in Japan and France. And he's a guy who I I, I think we will really, really miss when he hangs up his boots because yeah. he is different and he gives you so much kind of character and value. And, you know, I think we'll really miss him. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased for both of those two that they have, they have, you know, got their careers at this point to, um, you know, to a real high. Yeah, you, you're definitely right about uh, Haskell. And I think he's a great example, actually, of why individuals should travel the world a bit, get examples of different rugby cultures before settling down again. Yeah. And it's it's funny. I mean, it, it, it is very political. I can absolutely see why England will not pick players who play overseas because, you know, you want your talent on you know, within arm's reach, and you want the players playing in the, in the Premiership that, you know, the English fans want to see. Um, but there is no doubt that, that there is something about it. I mean, you look at someone like Gregor Townsend, even as a coach, who's been abroad and, um, you know, he played in France, he played in South Africa. He's experienced other rugby cultures, and he is, um, you know, he's a much sort of, you know, he, he's a, he, I think, you know, someone like Gregor has a really broad perspective of the game. Mm. Um, it is. It is. I think it is one of. It's a real conundrum, and you can see, you can see both sides of the argument. But you can also see, as someone like 
Haskell, who who you know has been and experienced other cultures, you know what that has done for him as a as a player and a person. So I don't think there's an easy fix. Um, but you know, I, I, if, if I was ever good enough to have played you know, played properly, I would love to have gone and played in New Zealand and yeah. in Japan and, and things like that. Actually, yeah, not, Japan not so much at the moment because of the quality. But I actually went out there for the um, for the for the Rugby World Cup pool draw a few months ago, and it's. I tell you what, Japan 2019 is going to be an extraordinary and, a, and an amazingly colourful event. It is, isn't um, it? and it's a very, very exciting day for the world game. I think that it's it's going to be unlike anything that we're kind of used to, um, mm. and and so much the better for it. Right, let's kick this up a gear. Let's get serious. What's going to happen on right. sa- What's going to happen on Saturday? Um, I I feared you were going to ask me that. Um, Head and heart do two very different things. My heart tells me that um, the all, uh, the Lions sneak it in the 78th minute with uh, with uh, with a moment of brilliance. I think my head, and if I was putting money on it, would just say the All Blacks are too good. You know, um, we uh, we all want the Lions to get. I was I was here 12 years ago actually when Gareth Thomas scored in about the second minute. Yeah, and suddenly we all thought, oh my God, it's happening, and then. Um, at the end of the game, Carter put in the, the finest fly-off performance of his generation, and the Lions are sort of left to lick their wounds. <laughs> I, I think I think it'll be competitive. I, it's going to pour with rain, which might help, but I think it's I, for me. It's still the All Blacks by ten. Sorry. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I'm, I'm trying I to disagree, with you, but I think I think I think you're probably right. Well, Alex, you've been more generous with your time. I really do appreciate it. But before you go, not at all. I've got yep. one la- one last question for you. Yes. What was your favourite VHS which you had? Ah, um, uh, oh golly! I, I mean, I, I genuinely, genuinely, I had, I probably had two or three hundred to choose from. Uh, Rugby World Cup sevens, nineteen ninety three. That was always a good, uh, a good watch. Andy <laughs> Harriman's crew. Um, I, I would probably go to, I'd probably go to Bath Breathe, nineteen ninety eight. That was, um, that was a special day. Brilliant. And I, yeah, that would that would that would probably be the go-to. Brilliant. Well, mate, I'll I'll let you get on with the rest of your day because you because you're just starting it. And you're sometime, very kind. thank you. Sometime in the near future, we'll have to sit down, get a beer, and watch Bath versus Breathe. I look forward to that immensely. It's been an absolute pleasure to come on uh, the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you very much indeed. And um, yeah, everyone, keep their fingers crossed for Saturday. Let's hope I'm uh, let's hope I'm let's hope I'm wrong. Fantastic. Cheers, mate. Tom and JB, thanks a lot.